is it that can tell me who I am? Anyone know where this line is from? Who is it that can tell me who I am? I like to read Shakespeare when I was in college. It's a line from King Lear, one of the great four great tragedies written by Shakespeare. King Lear was a powerful king. And when he grew old and decided to divide his wealth, his two daughters, Regan and Goneril, flattered him and pretended loving falsely to inherit his riches. However, his youngest daughter, Cordelia, truly loved her father, but was cast away for not offering empty flattery. Thus, as King Lear was tossed back and forth between Regan and Goneril, he spoke these words when he realized that Goneril's love for him was false and she was trying to take away all his power. This line is his response to that situation. Lear said the following, does any here know me? Why? This is not Lear. Does Lear walk this, speak this? Where are his eyes? Either his notion weakens or his discernings are lethargized, lethargied. Huh, sleeping or waking. Sure, it is not so. Who is it that can tell me who I am? When everything that a person has, including power, honor, wealth, and the love of their children is taken away from them, who are they really? Are they still a king, a wealthy person, or a respected father? Lear, who had all of these things and then lost them, was no longer defined by them. Who then was he? Do any of you have someone who can tell you who you are? We are all wearing numerous identities, like clothing. In my case, I'm enveloped by identities, like an ordained devotee of one Buddhism, Kyomunin, the eldest daughter who must be highly responsible, and a workaholic who can't afford to fail in the task entrusted to me. What identities do you hold? Can you still say, this is me, even when all those layers are stripped away, just like King Lear? It took me a long time to be able to say this, this to someone. During my time in the seminar school in Korea, I felt I fell seriously ill. I thought I was fine, and everything seemed normal. But one of my teachers asked me about my condition, expressing concern. Due to my strong belief in not depending on anyone, I couldn't even grasp the helping hand extended by my teacher. However, one day, 
I made a decision and opened up to the teacher about the pain that had accumulated inside me, like a piles of stones. Eventually, I had to go to the hospital. As someone who had always lived with a sense of responsibility to take care of others, I found myself wearing various medical devices, undergoing tests, and lying alone in a hospital bed. When I entered the operating room, I couldn't, but, I couldn't help but feel an awkward emotion, as if this is not who I am. I used to think of myself as someone who works hard, but even after the surgery, when I had to rely on the, take, on the care of others and couldn't do anything, I didn't feel like myself. We often live our lives in a rush, juggling our jobs, studies, families, and responsibilities without even taking time to consider who am I. I've experienced this recently myself, which is why I really wanted to address this important issue with you all. Whether you're going through the toughest times or any stage in life, there's actually no issue as urgent as this one, I think. In Chinese and particularly in Korean Zen Buddhism, the concept of koan, huadu, holds great significance. Zen masters go to great length, even forsaking eating and sleeping, and stake their lives on contemplating huadu to attain enlightenment. Do any of you have a wadu that you know of? So today, I want to present this wadu to all of you. On the winding road of Pyeongsan, a rock sits listening to the sound of a stream. Nothing, nothing, but no nothing either. Not, not but not, not either. Can you guess what this means? The founding master So Tesan said, the meaning cannot be understood through analysis or thought, what it, what it meant. We must contemplate it quietly in mind. And then he said, if you understand what this means, you are a person who has awakened to the way, enlightened. Pyeongsan is the place where the founding master, Su Tesan, established the doctrines of one Buddhism with his disciples. And the scenery there is truly breathtaking. I will play the sound of the water at Pyeongsan for one minute. And I want you to close your eyes and Contemplate the meaning quietly. There is no one right answer.
winding road up Queensland. A rock sits listening to the sound of a stream. Nothing, nothing, but no nothing either. Not, not, but not, not either. During the last minute, who heard the sound of water? Did you hear it? Or did the rock sitting on the cushion hear it? Rocks don't have ears. So how can they hear the sound of water? What is it within you that hears the sound of water? It is none other than nothing, nothing, but no nothing either. Not, not, but not, not either. I know. Doesn't it sound like a chant or a riddle that you can't just figure out? If I were to hand you a certificate promising any, as many diamonds as there are grains of sand in Long Beach, how many value would you place on it? Well, the topic I'm about to present to you is even more precious than that, I think. And even the Buddha himself said so. Instead of immediately deciphering its meaning today, I'll offer you a simple hint and share a few stories for you to contemplate. About 10 years ago, I participated in a regular training session at the center headquarters in Korea, where I had the privilege of being in a company of the Prime Dhamma Master and esteemed senior practitioners. During this intensive three-day training, as we observed teachings hotter than the sun from our revered masters, my scattered mind, which had been racing frantically, coalesced into singular focus. However, and simultaneously, my dormant true self, left neglected, began to radiate from within me. However, something extraordinary happened towards the end of the training. The person I had known as Yawan vanished, leaving me with an uncanny sensation. My parents, whom I had held onto my identity even more than myself, disappeared replaced by fellow practitioners named Wu Jin and Shin Myung, who walked the same path of delivering sentient beings and healing the world alongside me. At that moment, neither I nor you existed. As I sat at the bus stop preparing to return home, the existence I had formerly regarded as me dissipated like an illusion. And there was only the profound emptiness sitting on a chair. My existence at that time was nothing and nothing. Tears welled up and I wept ceaselessly for what felt like hours. Returning to the busyness of everyday life, I felt a different kind of attachment arising in my mind. I thought to myself, ah, 
that tranquil central headquarters, nothing and nothing. I don't want to lose that. During that time, my teacher shared a story about when he used to visit a Korean countryside village called Shindoan to see the third prime Dharma master of one Buddhism. He described how after intense study in Seoul, when he visited during the vacation, it was as if the entire universe froze into an absolute emptiness, samadhi. Upon returning to Seoul, he would let go of everything once more and wholeheartedly engage in his studies and tasks with that emptiness in mind. It made me realize that even attachment to the empty realm could be an obstacle. So I, to work more vigorously in my studies and my duties. Do you know about Bodhidharma? Bodhidharma, the 28th patriarch who inherited the teachings of the Buddha was an Indian monk who later traveled to China and became the founder of Zen Buddhism. When Bodhidharma first came to China, there was an emperor named Wudi Muze of the Liang dynasty who was deeply devoted to Buddhism and had built many temples and monasteries. The emperor asked Bodhidharma, I have built many temples and statues and spread Buddhism widely. How much merit have I accrued? To the emperor's surprise, Bodhidharma replied, Zero? <laughs> None at all. Bodhidharma was trying to convey that all the things with physical forms or shape were impermanent and that the true nature of the mind lies in the formless realm. Therefore, there is nothingness, but also no nothingness. The concept of nothingness is also non-existent. Even the existence of the self is empty. The Zen masters imparted such teachings to awaken those who futilely cling to the notion of being. However, by emphasizing nothingness or emptiness, they inadvertently give rise to individuals who became attached to those concepts just like me in the past. Many people now have started to become attached to the idea of non-existence or emptiness. They believe that they can only awaken to their self-nature by practicing in a place without any sensory condition or people. And some even abandon their families to go into the mountains and meditate. However, this is also not the answer. I'd like to share one more story about 1,300 years ago in China. There was a revered monk named Hineng, who was highly respected like the Buddha himself. Hineng, the sixth patriarch, once asked his exceptional disciple, Huirang, Huiyang Desa, What thing is it, and how does it come? But Huirang went speechless and couldn't answer, much like when I ask you, 
what has come here and is listening to my words. Another highly regarded disciple, Shen Hui, Xin Hui, responded that it was the original source of all things, all Buddhas and the Buddha nature within Xin Hui. However, the sixth patriarch, Huining, did not confirm this. After eight years of diligent practice, Huirang experienced a profound spiritual awakening and answered, even if you say it is thus, it misses the mark. No matter what concept you have about the self, it is not the true. For example, if you say it's the original source of all things in the universe, it does not hit the mark. And if you say it's my true self that is originally pure and void, it is also not. If you think of yourself as someone who aims to come here and diligently practice the mind to become a Buddha, that's not it. If you see yourself as a parent who dedicate everything to nurture my children well, that's also not the true self. But then the concept, it's not that, is not the whole truth as well. There are times when you must come here and diligently practice the mind to become a Buddha. And there are times when you must dedicate yourself to educating your children as well. At the end of our One Dharma Center training sessions, Venerable Chuksanin often delivers a message. And one thing he almost never fails to say is, having meditated diligently here, return and excel more in your daily life, whether it's at home or at work. These words always resonate deeply, deeply with me. The precious teachings found in the Diamond Sutra, a revered text through which the founding master Sutesan adopted Shakyamuni Buddha as his original guide, reflect this guidance. The Buddha instructed us to eliminate conceptions of self, human, sentient being, age, and even dharma itself. He advises us to eradicate all of this. However, the Buddha also emphasized that we should not merely remain in the realm of where everything is non-existent. Instead, we should diligently devote our entire being to benefiting all living creatures from that empty realm of the mind. Cultivate not only the self, but also family, society, and the world, making them all fruitful and beneficial. If we imagine that the enlightened masters are guiding people to New York, they might instruct those in Philadelphia to, to go south, I know, to go north, and those in Connecticut to go south. Moreover, if someone goes too far south, they would likely be told, go back north. So the founding master, Sotesan, 
seeing how we preoccupied with attachment to the being, compete and live to achieve results in the reality of life, advises to turn being into non-being. Moreover, for those who are inclined to attach this being, non-being, seeking only the tranquility of the mind, avoiding sensory conditions, and become indolent in solving real-world problems, he advises turning non-being into being. Continuously turning and turning like this, he hoped that the round and clear Ilwansang within us would be revealed, making us taking leading roles in revitalizing our homes, societies, nations, and the world. The founding master Su Tesan, much like a guide for those who are lost and cannot find their way, unfolded the Dharma with great compassion for us. In summary, we become attached to things because we think they truly exist, such as money, color, degrees, fame, love, self-esteem, jealousy, and even anxiety. What do you believe exists that you attach yourself to? However, anxiety, stability, and even nothingness do not have substance. Nothing, nothing, but no nothing either. It means the emptiness of existence. We also strongly attach to the idea of something being right and tend to label things as I am this, you are that, and it is thus. We go through life with the belief that I'm right and you're wrong. And I'm better, you are worse. Or this is good and that's bad. But all these thoughts or concepts are not true, but not, not either. It means the emptiness of concepts. If you define yourself as I'm good at meditation, that's not the whole truth. Again, if you define yourself as I'm not that good at meditation, that is also not the whole truth. But then the concept it's not that is not the whole truth as well. It's not not either because you have the potential to be good or not good at meditation depending on various circumstances and conditions. Despite this, we still cling to the full self, which is the label and definition we impose upon ourselves. We live our entire lives with this full self, and when it is shattered, we experience immense suffering. When you see yourself in that way, it also imposes a frame when you look at others. A person is an undefinable, undefinable existence, a precious being that cannot be labeled by anything. Not, not, but not, not either. So the Cardinal Master Taesan shared these words 
on the winding road up Pyeongsan. A rock sits listening to the sound of a stream. This signifies the complete enlightenment and tranquil state of mind. Close your eyes and quietly observe the world and you will see that what has been accumulated in the world is actually nothing. We perceive things with a mind that judges right and wrong, yes or no, bad or worse, better or worse, and we cover them with trivial thoughts. However, that is not the way. We perceive friends and foes, good and bad people every day, but the rock stands in the water, only hearing the sound of water. You need to dig into this truth and taste it for yourself. It's by tasting this essence that you cannot help but embrace all living beings. And by not tasting this essence, you cannot genuinely embrace them. Nothing, nothing, but not, no nothing either. Not, not, but not, not either. This is the mind seal that the Buddha attained 3,000 years ago and has been passed down by all Buddhist patriarchs. It is the essence of all Buddhas and sages. My teacher, the fourth Prime Dharma Master of One Buddhism, Master Chasan, said, this is not an ambiguous or vague realm, but a clear and definite one. This is why even Shakyamuni Buddha renounced his worldly possessions and left home to attain it. Today, through this Dharma service, I hope that all of us embark on a journey to discover this realm. When the Buddha decided to leave home to seek the truth, his father, Suttodana, begged him not to go and promised to give him everything he wanted. But the Buddha replied, Father, then show me the way to end aging, sickness, and death. Then I will stay. Suttodana had no choice but to let, him, let his son go. So I ask you, what comes and what goes? And how does, it is, how does this matter relate to you? Who are busy and engrossed in your own business, work, or st studies? That concludes my talk for today. Thank you for listening. <laughs>